Folks, we're going to make a start to our meeting tonight and sing together 678. This uh, has been a missionary day for us, and this is a missionary hymn that we love to sing here in Hebron. We have heard the joyful sound Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward, tis our Lord's command, and the message all the way through, Jesus saves. Let's all rise to sing. that great note of victory we're going to pray together and seek the Lord for tonight's meeting Jesus saves and that's the theme of gospel preaching the Lord is able to save and he's able to save to the uttermost all that come unto him by Christ Jesus Heavenly Father what a joy it is to come here to your house in the attitude of praise and adoration and worship to enter the courts of God, as we've done, to take our place in this church building, and we know it's only a building, but it is a place where God meets with his people, and the Lord has promised to be 
in that gathering that come together in Jesus' name. We come, Lord, rejoicing in this theme of the salvation of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we have a message to proclaim. We can tell sinners far and near that Jesus saves. We thank you, Lord, for the gospel in our own beloved country. Lord, you've preserved it over the years. All across the nations of this world, we, we see decline and degeneracy. We see departure from God. And Lord, we, we sense it and feel it in this gospel-preaching land. And yet you have preserved thus far, right throughout the counties of Northern Ireland, the preaching of the glorious gospel of Christ. <coughs> we give thanks for every minister, every pastor, every shepherd of the flock that stands by the book of God, that is true to your word, that ever seeks to proclaim the message of Christ and to present him as he's freely offered in the gospel. We thank you, Lord, that you're still in the soul-saving business. We rejoice in those sinners that we hear who have trusted in the merit of our Savior, who have been converted in recent days, and not least the two young boys that are camp in the past week. Lord, how we praise you from the very depths of our heart that you are saving children. And what you've done there, we pray that you'll multiply it among those that were at the camp and others too. And we think, Lord, of the adult population. We think of parents. We, we think of those uh, even in this meeting tonight are listening in on the internet and they're still not saved. And they've wasted all these years. And Lord, sermon by sermon, mission by mission, gospel, time after gospel time, they have turned away from the speaking voice of God and they are still in their sin. We're praying for that intervention of God in their lives, that you will step in again and bring them face to face with the claims of Christ. May they see their lost estate. May they understand, as we were speaking on the video this morning about the horrors of hell, how that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God and for a soul to die without Jesus Christ, to die in sin, to die unready, unprepared, it means to be lost forever. And when we think of the descriptions that your word gives concerning what hell is like, Lord, we know that it's an awful place, a place that ought to be uh, fled from. And we do pray that sinners will flee this wrath to come, that they'll flee to Christ and they'll get to the only Savior, the one who bled and died upon the cross of Calvary, that they might have everlasting life. What we give thanks for here in Northern Ireland, we thank you, Lord, for the gospel that has gone to the nations of the world. Our own denomination, small though it is, has had a little part to play in getting your word to various parts of the earth. Thank thee for every missionary that has gone out from the free church. Thank thee for our sister Noreen with us today and for the report this morning and for what we're going to view tonight on the video Lord, you've been blessing, you've been saving, you've been doing it even in recent days. And the young people can look back to that, that time in 2019 when we visited the land and there was a visitation of God and the Lord moved in a remarkable way and dozens of children were converted to Christ. Lord, we know in heaven your word speaks about a great multitude that no man can number gathered around the eternal throne. And they are from every nation, kindred, tongue and people. 
And they're singing the praises of the Lamb. They're singing, Worthy is the Lamb. And we know that Christ is that Lamb, and He is the worthy one to receive all the praise and the glory and the honor. One day our voices will blend with theirs. We will join in that great throng in glory, and we will sing the new song above, a song about redemption. That song will never change. Unto Him who hath loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood, to Him be glory and praise, dominion and honor. Settle our minds down into this meeting tonight. Be one of our number. Speak to every waiting heart in the hymns that we sing, in the reading of the Word, in the presentation that we see, and also in the, the preaching tonight. Oh God, we want to hear. We want to hear what God is saying to our hearts. And so give us that attentiveness. Give us a hearing ear. Remember our brother Ivor tonight. We commit him again to thee. We pray that thou will be with him in hospital. Perfect that which concerns him. And come Tuesday, may the right decision be made. And may you bring your child through victoriously this time of ill health. You've done it for others. You've begun to answer prayer and others that we have prayed for. And Lord, we just seek the Lord again tonight for Ivor, that thou will be with him. Hear and answer these are our prayers for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm sure you were blessed this morning as Noreen gave the report on the land of Uganda and set before you some of the things that are happening there and some of the prayer requests too. We come to the video presentation tonight and we're just hoping that all our technology comes together and that we will enjoy what we see, that you'll be blessed in this report. And we're going to ask now our media team if they will play it. I think they're going to play it from up there. So, amen. So it was a mixed feelings coming home um, for this deputation. Uh, in some ways it would have been lovely just to stay <laughs> on the field, uh, but I realise there's the need to present the work to the people at home. Um, it has been a very unusual turn, uh, probably one of the most difficult really since I went to the mission field uh, because of Covid. Um, because of children not being in school, because of workers coming and going. Uh, but the Lord has been good and he has undertaken. And uh, he's blessed in so many ways and done far more than really I could have imagined in that space of time. And it's, it's all the Lord's doing. Uh, it's the prayers of God's people. It's the giving of God's people. And it's also the contribution of my colleagues and the people who have visited us on the field. Personally, you cope with it by, first of all, taking it to the Lord. And generally, that has been my response. Um, I don't probably share much with people at home. Uh, you just look to the Lord, and the Lord has carried me through and helped me.
The Lord has definitely opened a door for us there um, and has uh, really shown us many tokens for good. Um, we, had, we had the move at the VBS. We've had others who've professed faith since as well, even just this past term. We've had children who've come to trust in the Lord. So we do praise him for that. Um, and we take it as a, a token of his grace and his seal of approval really on the ministry and what we're seeking to do. When I arrived in Uganda, there certainly was a big difference uh, between what I was experiencing in Kenya and what I came to in Uganda, but I, I knew that and I was well prepared for it. Um, through time, uh, there have been many improvements on site. Andrew Foster has done a tremendous amount of work uh, improving not only the accommodation for the missionaries but for the school and for the whole work. Um, so my living accommodation is very comfortable now. Uh, Climate-wise, it's warm, but it's, uh, it's a much more humid heat than we had in Kenya. We're really on the shores of the lake. We can see the lake in the distance. And we're living in a swamp, so it's very humid. Uh, we are in a rural setting. We're about five kilometres from the closest tarmac road. Um, in the rainy season, that can be challenging enough. Uh, but we're thankful for the bake-up uh, that we have. Uh, it was a real boost and uh, it certainly gets us around. One of the things people comment on is the fact that you have to run about and get everything. In Uganda, some of the recent visitors, they said, oh, we just order that online and they deliver it. So in Uganda, you don't order anything online and nobody delivers anything. You have to go and get it yourself. Uh, whether it's in Masaka, which is about 40 minutes away, or Kampala, which is about three hours away. Uh, you, have, you have to go look for it, buy it, load it up and bring it home uh, yourself. That's just how the country works. Apart from the normal work in running a school, um, there is a lot of work to keep the mission um, legal in the country. So we're registered as a company. There are company returns to be submitted every year. We're also registered as an NGO. Uh, so there are returns that have to be submitted for that as well. Uh, we have to submit quarterly returns for the OVC project. Uh, we have to lodge our accounts, of course, with Uganda Revenue Authority. So yes, there's a fair bit of administration. It's maybe a part that, that people don't see. They think uh, you're always out preaching or teaching or um, giving out tracts, but there's a, there's a lot of ordinary things that have to be done just to keep the work going in a foreign, uh, foreign context. The highlight of the last term was definitely the VBS, the Vocational Bible School. Um, having the team from the home church um, just having all the activity on site, how much the children and the young people enjoyed it, and best of all, the, the number who came to know Christ. That really was um, way beyond our expectations. And the Lord just moved in a way that I've never seen before, either at home or in Kenya or anywhere I've been. And that really was an amazing thing.
it was a great um, encouragement, uh, probably especially coming uh, so early, early on in my time in the work. You know, I, I don't know if, if the Lord will move like that again, but certainly it was a very, very special time. And it was a great encouragement to me, to the others on the field, to the team who came. Uh, it, it was just a great encouragement all around. How are you? Yeah, all right, thank you, Alright, you may sit down. When I arrived, obviously the school uh, wasn't licensed, it wasn't registered. Um, the Reverend Kelly and his wife had uh, done a, a very good job in establishing it and in keeping it going for a, a number of years. Uh, we were very keen to see that it did get licensed and it did get registered. So there was a lot of work had to be put in. Uh, to try and realise that. Basil, how is everything? Some, somehow better. Better than what P6? <laughs> In terms of academics, we have seen uh, some improvement. Uh, we're grateful for the efforts of the staff, and especially the head teachers, uh, who really contributed a lot to that. That's been reflected in the exam results. Uh, I have to say the children have worked very hard as well. Uh, they appreciate the opportunity that they get at Emmanuel um, and they don't want to lose it at all. It's very much a team effort and a combined effort uh, to see the progress that has been made. How is the work for P5? It's easy. <gasps> so we should have sent you on to P6. Yes. <laughs> we have 448 children in school this year. So uh, just about 90 of those are in boarding and they come from more distant areas. Um, the rest then are all from the neighbouring villages, about eight local villages around us. Uh, but the majority of them come from Chambala and Insal. Um, the families are uh, certainly needy. Um, we've many cases of children with who are single orphans. One parent has passed away, some are double orphans. Uh, many are living actually with grandparents because the, the middle generation has passed away. So we have the grandparent taking care of the grandchildren. Um, it's, it's very difficult for them at, at that stage to try and provide for, for young children and, uh, to, to meet all their needs. The community really does appreciate the school. Uh, we have a school management committee and a board of governors for the high school. Um, the local chairman is a member of that and some of the other local representatives sit on it as well. Um, he continually comes to thank me uh, for the school and for all that we do in the community. It's really, really appreciated. Some, some days I feel like the school is the, the local crisis centre. Uh, you know, whatever happens in the community, it will make its way to the school. Somebody passes away, somebody is sick. Uh, somebody has an emergency, it's the place they all think of running to. So it's probably one of the, the nicest things, really, is the sense of community. 
During COVID, people were really locked down and it had a serious effect economically in the country. Movement was, was very much restricted as well. And most people, um, they are doing manual work or they're relying on selling uh, just in the local market or something like that. And markets were closed, that wasn't even an option. Uh, so people really were struggling to survive. And we felt as a mission, if it was possible, that we really should try to do something to assist them. So we were able to give out food packages uh, a number of times uh, to over 650 families um, in, in the, again, in the closest villages, Jambala and Salu, and some of the school families that were a little bit further away. So people really, really uh, appreciated it. Um, it. It was a surprise, they weren't expecting it, but they really, really appreciated it. As well as the school being locked down, the church was obviously in lockdown as well for a time. Uh, it was very difficult really to do anything because again, most people don't have access to internet. Um, even if they have a smartphone, they can't afford the data uh, to, to watch anything online. But whenever things opened up again, we were able to call the people back. Uh, we didn't have a man on the ground to preach for us, so we're really grateful to all the people who helped and who preached on Zoom, and it really helped to maintain the work and to feed the flock. Once travel opened up again, uh, then we were delighted to have people coming out again to help us. Uh, we had those who came before COVID, we've had those who have come more recently, and uh, that has been a, a tremendous help. On the ground, we had the Ugandans, of course, so we had Master Ronald, and Master Thomas, and Master Israel. And they've been a great help in leading the meetings uh, and translating, uh, whether on Zoom or in person, um, and even in, in helping with the other outreach works uh, as well. So we really appreciate their efforts uh, too. But we really do need uh, a full-time minister. And uh, I know the people there are praying seriously that the Lord would uh, lead somebody to come to Emmanuel and to take on the work. Uh, full time but those who've come have been a tremendous help they've really got on board they've got involved in all aspects of the work and it has been a tremendous help uh, to us and a tremendous encouragement to us at this time Because we have children in boarding, it means really that when school is on, the work is on 24-7. They're there from beginning of term till the end of term. They really just live with us. It's like having a big family, <laughs> a very big family. <laughs> they're a great help on the compound, actually, whenever they're around. They do a lot of cleaning and tidying up and uh, those sorts of things as well. It's certainly a very lively place when the children and the boarders especially. At the moment we have 121 in nursery, we have 376 in primary and then the rest in high school, 71. Uh, we are bottom heavy so as classes move up uh, the population is, is steadily increasing.
The running of the school really is, for the most part, financed by the sponsorship from home. Uh, parents pay a very nominal school fee, uh, but really we rely on the support of the sponsors, and that covers the salary of the teachers. It covers the food, which is another major bill, and food prices have gone up. The cost of everything really is always on the rise, whether it's stationery, whether it's the supplies that we give to the borders, uh, even medical items. Uh, but um, we are really thankful to those who support and who, who give sacrificially so that the work can go on and the work can be maintained. And certainly the parents appreciate it and the children really appreciate it. I think it's one of the reasons why the children are so happy. They feel that school is a safe place. They don't have to worry about are they getting fed. They don't have to worry about will they get treated if they get sick. Um, you know, they don't have to worry about any of those things, whereas at home those things are a daily worry uh, and uh, a daily concern for people. Um, so when, when they come to school they're just happy. And uh, some of them were arriving at 6 a.m. in the morning. We had to ask them to come a little bit later. <laughs> and some of them we have to chase them home in the evening. <laughs> Those who are not in boarding, uh, it's like they just love the place. That's all through the support, really, that we get uh, from home. It wouldn't be possible if we didn't have that help from our sponsors and from people who give gifts to the work. It is Emmanuel Christian School. And it is our prayer that we wouldn't just be Christian in name only, as opposed to Muslim, Roman Catholic, or, or something else that's there on the ground. Um, but we desire that Christ would be exalted in everything, every day, uh, there on that compound. So whether we're doing sports, or whether we're teaching mathematics, or whether it's history, or really whatever we're doing, and it's our desire that Christ would be exalted, and that the children would not just see it as, um, this is just education and that the Bible is separate, but that uh, really it is, it is a part of everything uh, that we do. The two big uh, desires would be one that the Lord would send us a man uh, to preach in the pulpit at Emmanuel. Um, and we really would ask people to pray for that. Um, for the, the church to go forward, uh, we really need a man full time. And we're really praying that the Lord would supply that need. Um, I suppose the other one is that the school would, would continue, that it would grow, that it would strengthen, that it would be maintained, uh, both spiritually and academically, um, that it wouldn't lose, lose the vision, that we wouldn't lose the vision, um, but that uh, it would go forward and really go from strength to strength. I suppose when the Lord called me, uh, first of all, to go to Kenya, 
and I was very, very sure that it was what the Lord wanted me to do. And then again, when the Lord called me to move to Uganda, it was as clear. Um, everybody kept telling me how it wasn't like, like Kenya and I suppose things that should have put me off. And yet the more I heard, the more I knew that was where the Lord wanted me to go, that I was to prepare my stuff for removing and I, I was to go there, uh, out into the regions beyond. And um, again, the Lord has, has given me a tremendous peace, uh, really there. And um, in spite of difficulties or in spite of lockdown, in spite of changes in personnel or uh, any other thing really that has come across, um, I, I know in my heart that that's where the Lord wants me to be. And um, uh, that, that keeps you grounded, keeps you settled. I know sometimes people talk about that poor wee girl that went to Africa, you know, as if it was this terrible sacrifice that you went away to this horrible place and did this very hard work, but I never see it like that. Uh, I just always think of the tremendous opportunity and privilege that it is to serve the Lord anywhere. Uh, but even to go to a place like that and, and to serve the Lord, I, I, I never feel discontent. You know, I, I often think of that verse, godliness with contentment is great gain. And um, I, I'm content where I am because it's where the Lord has put me. And there's no better place than where the Lord wants us to be. And I'm sure you've enjoyed that presentation. And Noreen, I know you're saying at every deputation meeting, but uh, you don't grow tired of what the Lord is doing. And when we think of three years ago, when Samuel and other youth leaders went out with the young people, some, some experiences, they're almost too sacred to speak about. But it was a special time. I have never... Uh, seen the like of it in my whole ministry uh, when it comes to numerical blessing. We think of those children that came to the Lord. We have been to Uganda, we've been to Kenya, we've been to other places. We've done the same things, we've preached the same messages, we've taught the same gospel, but the Lord just came down and children were coming wanting to be saved. You, know, you would meet them out in the the playground, out in the campus, and they would just come up and say, I want to get right with God, I want to be saved. And we think of that time in the hall, whenever they were all met together, and we just made a very simple appeal, we don't normally do it, but if any child wanted to get right with God, that they would indicate that, and there was a whole lot of children stood up and we said, listen, sit down again. And we made it a little bit more clear, and they stood up again. And we were, though we shouldn't have been, we were a little bit bewildered. What, what's happening here? So we closed in prayer, and we said to the children, if you really want to get right with God, um, we want you to go down to one of the classrooms, and we indicated which classroom. The rest of you can stay here, and you can sing together. 
And we were just amazed that one by one they all filed out. They went down to the classroom and we spent a little bit of time again clarifying this. Do you know what it is that you're asking for? Do you really want to be saved? And they all indicated that they did. And there were 44 children in that room that were counseled and prayed. It was just a time when God was moving among the children. And in all 75 children profess faith in Christ. And then the Reverend Brown and I, we went down to uh, do a pastor's conference quite a few miles away. And at the end of that pastor's conference, we asked for the opportunity just to speak to the children that were there. And the children gathered around. And again, the gospel was presented. We finished the meeting. And uh, I was called over by Pastor Joel. He said, "My, my little girl wants to be saved. And then there was another one, and I think there were maybe three, and they said that they wanted to be saved. So we left all the other children, and we went over under a tree, and we began to speak to those three children. But it wasn't long before the other children gathered round, and they were listening too as counsel was being given and the gospel was being presented again. And we bowed in prayer. We bowed for the benefit of those three children, And as we prayed together, we were very, very conscious that there were more than three children praying, but all or the most of those children that were gathered were calling upon the name of the Lord. And there were 25. And uh, we just left Uganda rejoicing in what we saw as a mighty work of God. And uh, it was an outstanding time for us all. May the Lord do that again. May he repeat it in the school. May he do it for us. Here in this country, this is what God does when revival comes. And as we look forward to the mission in a couple of weeks' time, may God be pleased to move. We bid you welcome. Always glad to see the congregation on the Sabbath day. And if you're listening in tonight on the internet, a special word of welcome to you as well. And we want to say there's refreshments tonight. There's a wee cup of tea, something to eat. And a time of fellowship. I always say I'm not here for the food, I'm only here for the fellowship. And it is good to talk and to, to chat to folks that you mightn't see from one week to another. Thursday night is our midweek, eight o'clock. There'll be special prayer for the Christian school. Friday night is Presbytery in Armagh. Saturday morning, the open air work recommences in the centre of the town at 11. We had a very good open air this afternoon. We've been going to different locations in and around the town throughout the month of August. And uh, there was a good number. If you have seen Facebook, you'll see that the number that was there standing with us in the open air. And Mervyn brought a good word. And we just pray that God will speak to that community. The prayer meeting next Lord's Day is 8 o'clock. We were very encouraged by the, the number that attended this morning. We want to see the prayer times increasing coming up to the mission. So that's maybe something to consider. The Sunday school and Bible class recommence at a quarter to 11 next Sabbath morning. Worship service is at 12. And as we said this morning, I want to preach on a call to consecration. I felt exercised on my own heart, particularly at this time, to consecrate my life to the Lord again coming up to the mission And we're going to ask our people to do the same. 
met with our session committee this morning and uh, encouraged them to do likewise, and I believe they will. Family night service, 7 o'clock, preceded by the time of prayer. And remember, on the 10th of September, we're having a church barbecue. We'll give you more detail next week. It'll probably be around 6 o'clock in the evening, and this will include back to Sunday school, getting the Sunday school kids potential Sunday school kids, their parents and all to come. We want you to be in prayer for the mission. These invitations are going out now uh, to every home in the BT53 area. 11,000 are being delivered by the post office and we have another thousand for us to use and to pass on to our friends and family. So we're thinking of the preparation for the mission which will be from the 5th to the 9th. Monday and Tuesday will be outreach. And as I said this morning, it's not going out to every home because the post office is doing that, but it is maybe targeting uh, people that we know, people that we're burdened for. And if you have someone that you want the outreach team to visit and give a personal invitation to, will you give us their name and their address? And we will do our best on the Monday and the Tuesday to visit those homes. Wednesday to Friday will be prayer times for the mission. Don't miss them. Mark these in your diary and be with us in the preparation week. Again, we thank you for your tithes and offerings. Do remember it's a deputation offering for Noreen. So all the loose money tonight and this morning will go to Noreen. If you have anything else in an envelope uh, marked deputation or for Noreen's work, well then that will also be added to it. Good to see Aaron uh, tonight. Mentioned this this morning. But uh, a big event has happened in Aaron and Lauren's life, and that is they got engaged. So it's a massive step. Uh, we're thinking about you, we're praying for you, and we trust the Lord will lead you, direct you in the coming months. And uh, we did mention this morning also that Victoria and Philip are getting married on Thursday, and they're much in our prayers as well. I want you to pray for the young people in these days, especially those that are coming together, getting engaged, getting married that the blessing of God will be upon them. 203, Love Lifted Me, is the hymn that we want to sing just before we bring the message tonight. I was sinking deep in sin. Stand and sing.
think of the waves of sorrow that often roll. We think of those times that we're in distress. And it's good to know for the child of God that there is one, our blessed Redeemer. Jesus is his name. He takes my hand in his and ever he loves to bless. Lord wants to bless us even in those times when the waves of sorrow roll and when we're in distress. And we think of our prayer list and we think of those that are sick. Think of Ivor in hospital. We think of those that are recovering. We think of all tonight that are going through any kind of difficulty. Let's really know that the Savior is there and he wants to bless us and dispel our fears and satisfy our needs. When the waves of sorrow roll. Away. Let's turn to the first gospel, the gospel of Matthew and the chapter 19. And we're reading from the 16th verse down to verse 26. And behold, one came and said unto him, said unto Jesus, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, which, Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter 
into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed and saying, Who then can be saved? Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Let's look to the Lord. Gracious Father, we thank you for this meeting. Thank thee for what we've seen by way of report tonight regarding the land of Uganda and for all that the Lord has been pleased to do through our sister and those that have labored there. Thank thee for that marvelous time when God moved among the children, when the Spirit of God just came down and these sinners were drawn to Christ. Thank thee for souls that have been saved recently. And we pray that you'll bless this work and your child as she returns back in due course to take up the work that the Lord has called her to. Thank thee for your word tonight and for this story that we've read, this incident in the life of Christ, this young man that that came seeking for something and yet went away. We pray that you will speak to us from your word, that you will give us help to give explanation as we present the gospel tonight and use it for your glory. Draw sinners to Christ here in this meeting and even those that are listening in tonight on the internet for Jesus' sake. Amen. Young man comes to Jesus Christ on a very serious errand. He wanted to know how that he might become a possessor of everlasting life. He wanted to know how he could be saved and go to heaven. As we read the gospel narratives, we discover that he's young. We discover that he is rich. And we also discover that he is a ruler. So he has youth on his side. He has plenty of wealth. And he has some kind of position, we believe, in the Jewish church, a leader among the Jews. Despite his youth and his wealth, he had a deep burden burning in his heart. He wanted to get right with God. He wanted to be saved. He wanted to have everlasting life. And no doubt it was a rare thing for one that was so young and so rich to earnestly seek after such a thing to contemplate those matters that deal with the soul and eternity. He had all life before him. He could have anything that money could buy. But this young man is touched in his heart and he desires to find the way of everlasting life. We know that his knowledge of spiritual things, he he was not an atheist, he was not an agnostic, he was not a, a skeptic. He was not a non-believer in divine things. He was not a a denier of God. He was not dwelling in ignorance or in darkness. No, he believed in God. He believed in the Bible. He believed in the hereafter. He believed in life beyond the grave. He believed in eternal life. He believed in heaven. And he wanted to make sure that all would be well with him when he departed this life. And so he comes to the right person, he comes to Christ. Now the story begins so well, as you can see, this man coming, desiring in his heart, kneeling, as we're told in one of the other Gospels, coming with that that burden in his soul, wanting to get right with God and to become a possessor of eternal life. But the story ends in sorrow and tragedy. Because we read of a young man, though desirous of eternal life, walking away from the presence of the Saviour, without that which he had come for. 
Maybe there's one here tonight and you're like him. You believe in God. You believe in the Bible. You believe in future existence. You believe in eternal life. Indeed, you believe in heaven. And you would like to know that all was well with you when you departed this life. You have desires in your heart. Maybe you desire everlasting life just like this young man. Do not make the same foolish mistake that he made and walk away from Christ and walk away tonight from this meeting without everlasting life. I want you to think about the rich young ruler tonight. And there's three simple things that I want to say about him. First of all, his character. It's easy to, to see from the context of the passage and from the conversation that he had with Jesus Christ that this young man was upright in many, many ways. He was outwardly good. He was religious. He was moral and respectable. In fact, you would have taken him to be a Christian. If he was about today and you were to observe his lifestyle and you watched his conduct and you listened to his conversations, you might just think in your mind and heart, he must be a Christian. You would have thought, if anyone knew the Lord, it must be this young man. We know that he had respect for Jesus Christ. We read in verse 16 how he addressed the Lord. He called him good master. From memory, I think there's only two individuals that we read about in the, in the whole Bible that showed this kind of respect to the Lord. One was an old man, an old religious man, Nicodemus. He called him master. And the other was this young man who referred to Christ as good master. He made every effort to keep the law. You can't read these verses before us without observing that. In verse 17, just at the end of it, the Lord tells him, keep the commandments. And, and he asks, which commandments? And Jesus gives the answer and, and deals with his relationship, particularly with his fellow man. That part of the, the Ten Commandments or the moral law that deals with our relationship to other human beings. Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Do you see what the young man says? All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Now I know there's a very real sense in which he should have said, all these things have I broken. He may not have in an outward physical sense broken these commandments, but we know that in the heart we break these commandments every day. But yet here's a young man, and I believe he was, he was seeking to be honest in his own heart. I have sought to obey the commandments of God, and I have sought to do that from my childhood days. I know the commandments of God. I'm familiar this, this young man was a ruler of the Jews. He would have been familiar with what God desired and what God demanded. And he said, I've sought to keep these things from my youth. So he had respect for Christ. He made every effort to keep the law. He had a form of godliness. He had an outward show of religion. There are those that you look at and you observe in society and in the estimation of most people, their very lifestyle testifies to the fact that they are far, far away from God. They are sinful. They, they are unsaved. Not so this 
rich young ruler. You would say that he was good. He wasn't like many of the young people in in modern society whose outward walk proclaims loudly that they are off the world and that they live a life of sin. He didn't spend Saturday night in Kelly's like some youth today, maybe injecting drugs into himself and abusing his body. He didn't spend his, his weekends in the pubs and clubs, drinking the night away, wasting his time and money. He didn't venture into the immoral houses of his neighborhood and misuse his body in the sinful lusts and pleasures of the flesh. He wasn't a cursing, blaspheming man whose every other word was foul and offensive. He was no murderer, no adulterer, no thief, no gambler. You look at these people and you know the kind of life that they have chosen. And you know where they are heading. And you know that they're not living righteously in this world. They do not follow Jesus Christ. But this man was upright. He was moral. He was religious. He was good. And yet he was lost. He was walking down the clean side of the broad road as we sometimes describe it. There's two ways that Jesus speaks about. A narrow way with a narrow gate that leads to life, that leads to heaven. A broad way, a broad road that leads to hell, to destruction itself. And down that road, every man without Jesus Christ is traveling. Some are on the foul side, the sinful side, the wicked side, And others like this young man, they're traveling down the clean side of the broad way. But they're on the broad way, all of them, without exception. And they're going down to the sides of the pit one day. You know, my friends, tonight, I want you to know that religion can't save you. I want you to know that working, works of righteousness, outward righteousness, moral righteousness, human righteousness cannot bring you to heaven. I want you to know that keeping the Ten Commandments as best as you can will never take you to glory. If you could go to heaven that way, Jesus didn't need to die. So often that's what we tell people when we we are engaged in witness and they they tell us how respectable they are and they tell us how they seek to to adhere to the Ten Commandments and they, they walk a good life and they say, surely that will take us to heaven. And then you remind them, oh, if you could get to heaven that way, why did Christ go to the cross? Why did the Father subject his Son to such sufferings upon the cross of Calvary if there was some other way to heaven by your works, by your goodness, by your outward moral effort? I want you to know tonight that the Bible is clear. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. People were boasting about their works in the time when Paul lived. People still boast about their works. But the Bible is clear, not of works, lest any man should boast. This was the character of this young man. I want you to notice, secondly, his concern. This man knew that religion was not enough. 
I think he has come to a place where he understands that his efforts were not sufficient. His attempt to keep the commandments was inadequate. There must be something more. And he's concerned about it. He's troubled in his heart. His concern was manifested in two ways. First of all, it was manifested in the action that he took. And secondly, in the inquiry that he made. What was this action that he took? Well, he came to Jesus. He came knowing that there was something remarkable in the person of Christ, this good master. And he felt that Jesus had the answer. And then there's this inquiry that he makes. What good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? He knew there was something missing. Despite his effort, despite his works, despite his endeavor to keep the commandments, something is missing. What else do I need to do? I wonder tonight, are you concerned? Are you troubled about your soul? Are you anxious? Are you concerned enough to read the Bible? You know, the vast majority of people that live in Northern Ireland do not read their Bible. I dare say that the Bible was not opened in 90% of the homes in Northern Ireland today. But for you, even though you're not a Christian, you read the Bible every day because there's a certain amount of interest and there is a concern in your heart. Are you concerned enough to come to church or even attend the mission that is coming up very soon? And again, as we think of the population of our land, the vast majority go nowhere on the Sabbath day. And the vast majority, unless God moves in a mighty way at this mission, will not attend the mission. We have to say that with sadness in our hearts tonight. And even in these great housing estates, with all the the profession of, of loyalism, the majority of people will not be at the house of God and will not be at the mission. But you're concerned enough that brings you to God's house, to church on the Sabbath day. I wonder, are you concerned enough to discuss the matter? You'd like to talk maybe to a Christian friend, some member of your family about the things of God. You're concerned enough to ask questions. This man is asking a question. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And so there is this concern. In the third place, there is his challenge. And it's in verse 21 where the Lord speaks to him. If I will be perfect, go and sell that thou hast. Give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Jesus challenges this young man to forsake all and become his follower. Now, the Lord does not ask every rich man to depart with his wealth. God has blessed many of his followers with substance. But in this case, the Lord, knowing the heart of this man, seeing right into the inner recesses of his soul, he knew him to be a covetous man. He knew him to to be a lover of money. And so this request is made. Give it up. Prove your sincerity. Give it up and come and follow me. 
Money meant more to this man than anything else. Even salvation. Even eternal life. He wanted eternal life on his own terms. He was not prepared to be a true, wholehearted follower of Christ. He wanted Jesus as his Savior, but not as his Lord. I want to be saved. I want to have eternal life, but Lord, I don't want you to be keen in my life. I don't want you to have a say in my life. I don't want to make any changes that you require of me. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, it means to forsake all, especially sin, to give up sin. It means to receive Christ as your personal Savior, and it means to walk in the newness of life. I'm challenging you tonight to step out and follow Christ. I'm challenging you to put God first, to forsake your sin, and to receive the Lord as your Savior. That's the challenge. Can I say something else in the fourth place? Let's give you a final point here tonight. His choice, and it's there in verse 22. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I want you to see what's happening here. I want you to understand what we are being told about this young man. I want you to see that in this verse there is a build-up of language that makes it sadder the more you read. You know, we're told here that he, he went away. And if we were to stop there and read nothing more, we would have to say that that is so sad, infinitely sad, for someone to get so close to Christ, to come right up to the presence of the Lord, to have this burden in the soul, wanting eternal life, wanting heaven to go away. How sad that is. But you will see that he went away sorrowful. There was regret in his heart. He didn't get what he came for. He didn't become a possessor of eternal life. He missed what he longed for. He went away. He went away sorrowful. And he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He was prepared to let his riches come between him and God. Doesn't that make it all the sadder tonight? Bad enough that he goes away. Bad enough that he goes away with sorrow in his heart. But how tragic it is when his wealth, his riches, is the stumbling block that this means more to him than heaven itself. And you know, my friends, I think we can say tonight that he went away very possibly forever, never to return. We don't read of this young man ever coming back to the presence of Christ. We don't read of him ever desiring eternal life again. The Bible is silent on that. And it's very possible that that day that he walked away from Christ, he walked away forever. And when you read, when you read the account that the gospel writer Luke gives to us, I want to say it to you tonight, and how tragic this is. He went away loved. Imagine that. Jesus, Luke tells us, beholding him, looking at him, loved him. Here's a young man with so much potential, concerned, troubled, wanting eternal life, desiring heaven, 
making this inquiry to the Savior, coming right up to the very presence of Christ, falling on his knees, showing the burden of his soul. And yet he goes away. He goes away sorrowful. He goes away allowing his riches to be a stumbling block. And he goes away being loved by Christ and perhaps forever. I wonder tonight, are you going to go away? Are you going to go away from this meeting without the Lord? Are you going to go away if you're listening on the internet, from your computer, from your tablet, your phone, whatever it is you're listening on tonight? Are you going to go away without the Lord? Are you going to go away with regret because you know that you're doing the wrong thing? Are you going to go away allowing some trivial thing to keep you fettered and chained? Maybe it's wealth. Maybe it's something else. Are you going to go away from Christ? Are you going to go away perhaps forever, never to return, never to make another inquiry, never to feel troubled in your heart again? Maybe you're not far from the kingdom of Christ tonight. I believe it's true to say that this young man was not far. When you think and you think about him, you read the story here, coming to the Lord and coming with this desire, doesn't, doesn't he get so close? Like so many people today, getting so close to Christ, getting so close to eternal life, and yet missing it. Don't be like that tonight. You come to the Savior. If you're troubled, if you're concerned, if you're desiring what this young man desired, eternal life, come to the Savior because he's the remedy and he can save you tonight and save you to the uttermost. But you need to come. I trust that you will for the Savior's sake. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we draw near to the, the close of another gospel service, we want to thank you for so many things today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the challenge of the mission field. We thank you for your word that was read, for this story, a real story, history that actually happened when Jesus was here upon the earth. Thank you for the challenge of your word, for speaking to us. We see this young man full of potential, the story beginning so brightly, running to the Lord, kneeling before the Lord, making this inquiry about eternal life, and yet going away tragically without eternal life, perhaps never to return again. Lord, we know that you love this world of sinners lost and ruined by the fall. You love sinners so much that you came to die for them upon the cross of Calvary. And so, Lord, you do behold sinners and you do love them. We pray for any in this meeting or listening in or any that will come to listen to this service that you will speak to them and bring them to the place of of submission. Bring them to that place where they will surrender their lives to the Lord, come what may. And Lord, if they are concerned and they are troubled and there is that desire for heaven that they want to know that it is well with their soul that when they come to die, to part this life, that it's eternal life for them. Lord, we pray that that concern will bring them to the Lord. Whatever they have to give up, whatever sinful pleasure that they have to part with, Lord, give them the grace to do that, that they might find everlasting life 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we ask these things in his name. Amen. And amen. 232, O sinner, the Savior is calling for thee. Long, long as he called thee in vain, called thee when joy lent its crown to thy day, as he called thee in sorrow and pain. O turn, that's what you need to do. While the Savior in mercy is waiting, steer for the harbor light. How do you know but your soul may be drifting over the deadline tonight? Rise to our feet to sing.
Father, we know we can't say for certain that the young man had his deadline that day, but it seems so. Coming so near, so close to Christ, desiring everlasting life and yet walking away. Lord, we know it's very possible that he crossed the line and he was never able to come back and retrieve those steps and be saved. Help us, Lord, to know that we're dealing with those things that are solemn and eternal tonight. We plead in Jesus' name for any unsaved person in this meeting that you'll reach down in mercy and pluck them as a brand from the burning and save them this very night. Don't let them leave the meeting without the Lord. Don't let them walk away out through that door without the Savior. Lord, stop them in their tracks. Bring conviction of sin and bring conversion of soul. Separate us with your blessing now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.